Build It Roadshow Week 2 Recap. Um, we left off. We should have listened to where we left off before we started recording this, but here we are. I believe we had visited the frac sand mine in West Texas and had driven our way to Denver, Colorado, where we yes. spent the first weekend. Yeah. Technically the second weekend. Yeah. Yes. So we arrived in Denver on Saturday. It was like a nine hour drive from West Texas to Denver. It was a little ways. Yeah. Sounds about right. And in the first week, we went from Nashville to Atlanta all the way down to Austin and then up to Denver. Well, you look at that on a map, you're like, that's that's a ways. That's a long ways. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. Just for funsies. Yeah. No, no, it's not a fun drive. But we got up to Denver uh, Sunday. Every weekend was kind of resetting for the week, trying to get uh, go go shopping, clean the RV. We tried to clean it every every weekend, so it and and, and, and we we kept it pretty pretty damn clean after for three the, people in there. After the ant problem, <clears throat> yeah, we yeah yeah we still clean, had, at this point clean the ants out. At this point, it's probably three or four days. We still had some ants in there, yeah. but they were. Uh, they were kind of like the lone survivors at that point. There weren't very many of them left, but we did bring some to Colorado. Um, yeah, we'd go get groceries. We'd do our laundry. We stayed sometimes with somebody or we would get an Airbnb for one night typically. So we'd have a washer and dryer to do to just to just reset. Mm-hmm. I saw my brother. We hiked. Uh, we did some hiking Sunday morning and then I got some work done Sunday and on Monday, <clears throat> we left the Airbnb, we left the RV there, we just got in the truck, and we drove north to Loveland, Colorado. Nice. Where we visited Barnard at the Chimney Hollow Project, which is the, the largest new dam construction project in the United States in decades. And this is a project I had been to about a year prior. It's a multi-year job. It's a huge job. It's, I think, almost $750 million, if my mind is correct, memory is correct. And it's all about water storage. Water. You turn the faucet, water comes out. But there's a lot of stuff that happens before that. Somebody, I don't know who, but somebody had the idea of putting almost all of Colorado's population in the driest part of Colorado. And that is technically east of the Rocky Mountain on what they call the Rocky Mountains of what they call the Front Range. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the water for Colorado is west of the Rockies. And there's something called the Continental Divide that runs through the Rocky Mountains. And that basically means that at this point, water either flows right or left, east or west. So they have to take the water that's primarily flowing west in the Rocky Mountains from the snowmelt. They pull it up and pump it up over the Continental Divide and then down to the people of the Front Range. Yeah. However, consumption doesn't match up with there's not there's not even water distribution. And so you have to take advantage of when you have the water. And you have to store the water for people to use throughout a period of time. Water storage is very, very important. To do that, they're adding 
they, they, you know, the, the, the front range has grown substantially. Lots of people have moved to Denver. I don't really get it, but lots of people love Denver. It's not my, really my thing, but it's okay. Yeah. And, uh, with all of this additional population comes an additional need for water capacity. <clears throat> so there's a valley. Most dams, they basically reroute a river via a tunnel or something of the sort, build a wall in the middle of where the river usually runs, yeah. and then let the water from the river back up behind that wall, creating a reservoir. And then that dam now, reg dam now regulates the water flow. And that water flowing through the dam spins turbines typically, creating hydro uh, uh, hydroelectricity, creating electricity. So the dam has two functions, three functions, uh, water storage, electricity, and then it controls flooding. But this one is unique and dams, hydroelectricity, renewable energy, but mm -mm, can't do dams anymore in the United States. And so this dam is not actually blocking a river. They're just filling in a valley purely for the sake of water storage. That's insane. It's really wild. Like a giant swimming pool. That's all it is. That's all it is. And then there's one, the next valley over too. So if you fly a drone, you can see them. They'll be, they'll be right next to each other, separated by this narrow uh, band of, of rock, this ridge. Yeah. I'm assuming they do it so that they don't disrupt wildlife on like river, river wildlife, I you, guess. You, you have to, uh, were uh, the salmon mm -hmm. are a priority over human beings nowadays. And so we can't we can't disturb spawning or whatever it is or the uh, the elusive river toad or whatever it is you can't yeah. you can't you can't be building walls and rivers anymore. People like salmon too much. That's yes. the problem. Yeah, they're so tasty. Yeah, it's so so rare. Even though most salmon that people eat is farm raised, but yeah. Anyway, anyway. So Barnard's out there. Barnard, big time contractor out of Bozeman. Mm -hmm. They're doing the job. It's incredible. It is so spectacular. It is over 10 million yards of rock that they are quarrying uh, and crushing the size and placing to build an earthen dam that's over 300 feet tall and I think a few thousand feet wide. Because that's the fun part about a dam is it starts kind of narrow at the bottom and then just gets wider and wider and wider and wider as you go up the valley. So the very top is super long. Yeah. They were doing a lot of the prep work when I was there a year before. They weren't placing any material. They had to basically dig away all of the dirt and loose rock from the natural face and create a perfect canvas that they literally had to they literally had to wash and 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 use like air blasting on the rock to make it completely completely clean. Yeah. And then they started placing their material on top of that perfect canvas and then all of the aggregate is mined from the site so yeah. the quarry design is once the once the reservoir is full you will no longer see the quarry it's underneath Whoa. the water where it's going to be that's cool so they're quarrying over 10 million tons of rock it's the largest quarry in the state of colorado i believe and it's a completely Tempor temporary yeah. operation with the temporary crushing spread to make it all happen that's insane <clears throat> what are they using because i mean rock is it's all blasted, and then they have a 6015, two 992 loaders, and then they had three 395s back in there. Okay. Mostly loading 777s, 775s, and 745 all trucks. 
And most of the rock for the dam is they just basically pull it out of the face and send it to the dam, send it to placement. They don't crush it. And they'll have a hammer there taking any oversize and making it what they need it. It's like 12 inch minus or it's pretty good size rock in most of the most of the dam. But the interesting bit starts with the core of the dam, which is the very middle of the structure. Yeah. Uh, the middle of the structure is actually an asphalt core, which Weird. creates so many people ask me about this. Why? It's it creates an impermeable layer. Yeah. Earthen, earthen dams leak. Yeah, that makes sense. Water, you put that much hydrostatic pressure behind a, a rock structure, water's going to find its way through. Yeah. And so what happens is water find its, finds its way through and hits that impermeable layer mm-hmm. and then drops all the way down. And then they have drains at the very bottom. And so the water will drain uh. out these, these sand chimney drains and they'll be able to, to siphon it off from there. That's which without without compromising the integrity of the structure. That's insane. Imagine diving down there. It's crazy. It's cr- it, the whole thing's crazy. They, How deep is it? What the the dam? Well, the the dam, it, it's tall. It's about it's a little over three hundred feet, I believe it is. So it will be filled with like three hundred feet of water. Yeah, I think it's ninety thousand acre feet of water. <clears throat> and if that's not interesting enough. The asphalt core is being performed by a company out of Switzerland mm-hmm. because they're apparently one of two companies in the world that do it and yeah. the only company willing to do it in the United States. They have this specialty machine. Everything about it is extraordinarily yeah. particular. And they do it in layers, so 12 inches at a time, all the way across. Then they place another 12 inches all the way across, and they do that hundreds and hundreds of times all the way up to the top of the dam. That's insane. And not only that... But there's, if you're looking at the dam to the right, there's these two big pipelines that come off the mountain with full of water flowing mm. into, the, into the valley, into the front range. They're pulling off of those pipelines, penstocks, down into a pump house at the base of the dam. Mm. And then the water from there is pumped through a tunnel, dug to the left of the dam, up to the reservoir yeah. to fill the actual reservoir, like a bathtub. Oh. So like it's, it's going down and then back up. And then back, they pump <clears throat> it all the way back up yep. and fill up the reservoir as needed. And the, um, the tunnel, we got to go into the tunnel, which was very cool. That's dope. Uh, they had just started, uh, they had just assembled the formwork to start pouring the actual concrete to form up the the structure of the tunnel right now it's just uh shot creek okay. yeah yeah that's so the the whole tunnel is going to be filled with water i guess no it's just pipes just running pipe, through just it pipe. yeah okay. so the tunnel's much 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 bigger yeah uh than the actual pipelines that will be running through it yeah. but they'll have like an access road in there kind of most of the way in then you can walk through the rest yeah pretty good time. it was like 30 foot tunnel it was a big tunnel yeah Really big tunnel. Tunnels and anything underground, you don't realize how like cold it is. Under yeah, it's, there. it's cold. It's, it's wet. It's obviously dark. Yeah. Um, it's a different line of work. Yeah. The, anybody in tunneling, 
That's just they're, they're built differently. Yeah. They are they are built differently. That's a different world. I guess it doesn't matter if you're working a day or night though. I mean night day, night shift, it's all the same. No, a lot of times <laughs> in underground mining, they just they go underground. They don't come up for ten, twelve hours. That's so wild. I can't imagine. Yeah. I wonder if that like messes with your vitamin D. I'm sure. I'm sure, I'm sure it does. But living in Seattle also does. So <laughs> I get think a lot of people have vitamin D deficiencies, so yeah. Uh, but miners, especially, yeah, we need to make a foundation for that. Well, just miners without vitamin D. We'll just pump Sunny D down into the uh, miners. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway. Uh, any, any, um. Anyway. Huh. Um. So that was Barnard. We'll, we'll work on the phrasing. Yeah. Or yeah, just we'll, cut we'll, that out. We'll workshop, we'll workshop that part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so that was the damn project. Um, at about lunch, we got in our vehicle. <sighs> we drove south again to Denver from Loveland, picked up the RV, uh, looked at the map, found out that I-70 was closed because of a truck fire in the tunnel or whatever. Yeah. It, it's, it's almost like I-70 is a crapshoot over the mountains. Uh, it's probably going to be closed at some point if you drive it enough. Yeah, I would imagine, especially in the winter. It's the only road, so over, well, there was it? a there was a back way into Aspen that's open um over summer. So yeah. we drove. It was like four and a half hours. It wasn't that much further hmm. around, and then we went up over Engineers Pass, I believe it is. Okay, uh, which was ex- oh, so beautiful. I could imagine it's scenic. Yeah. And then I drove. I drove the RV. And so then you take the RV down into the valley <clears throat> and into Aspen. Nice. And I never, ever in my life thought I'd be driving an RV through Aspen. But there I was, driving an RV through Aspen. Um, we got into Aspen that evening and we parked at the Stutzman Gerbe's yard uh, just outside of town. Nice. And parked up, slept in the parking lot, which was great. Nice. Right next to a track loader. Awesome. I woke up. I drove a little bit down the valley to uh, a place that I, I went to as a child and ran the golf course all 18 holes that I played a lot back when I golfed, which was I was a child. I hadn't uh, golfed since. Yeah. No interest in going to the links. Uh, but that was cool. Then we and I, the reason why I ran in the morning so long was because we couldn't start until eight because you can't you can't make noise in Aspen. Before eight o'clock, uh, God forbid. Uh, that's off limits. Uh, you want you want to do work? Wait until eight o'clock until we've at least had a little bit of sleep here. Let let their bird watch the bird watchers have their coffee. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know what it, it, Aspen's a different world. Yeah, but we were with Stutzman, um, extraordinary extraordinary contractor. Mm-hmm. I can't say enough good things about them. I um have have spent some time with Shay Stutzman in um in in Aspen. I've seen their projects before and mm-hmm. then I've spent some time with him in um Switzerland seeing some some operations out there which was awesome. Yeah, I forgot he came out there. That's yeah, yeah, I coordinated cool. coordinated our trip to yeah. be at the same time. It's awesome. And he he's amazing cuz he has just thrown convention out the window and has asked himself, what can I do to do work better and more efficiently? Yeah. And over the course of, I don't know, probably five years, has invested in some of the most specialized equipment, probably the most 
specialized fleet of any just general civil contractor mm-hmm. in the United States. Yeah. All his ex- most ex- excavators have variable angle booms, have tilt rotators, have GPS, have all sorts of attachments. He has yeah. track loaders. He has a D1 dozer with excavator pads for finish grading rather mm. than a grader because it can fit into tighter areas. Nice. This, this stuff is... The stuff they have is incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And then they have the the hallmark, the track loaders. The track loaders are Shay's favorite. Yeah. I, they just look cool. He's I got mean, a soft spot for those. Yeah. It, it is cool because you basically have three machines in one. You mm-hmm. have a bulldozer, you have a loader, and mm-hmm. you have an excavator. Mm-hmm. So you can dig holes with them. You can push material with them. You could load trucks. You can do whatever you want. Um, and he's got... The newest track loaders that Caterpillar makes. And then he's got some track loaders in the works that are uh, very, very, very old, which is extremely cool. Yeah, that's awesome. But we saw, we started, they're, they're working uh, to replace power lines, <clears throat> underground power uh, in, call, in, in Aspen, right, right in downtown. Yeah. Um, a lot of the power infrastructure is very old, many, mm-hmm. many decades old. And they're having to trench through alleys and small streets to get this, the new conduit in uh, where it needs to go. Yeah. Without disturbing the rich people. God forbid. <laughs> you don't want to disturb the rich people. So he had his um, 315 variable angle boom, 3D GPS, work tools, tilt rotator out there. It was really amazing because <clears throat> he said his guys love it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. They, they do work quicker and there's a lot less handwork, which mm-hmm. is amazing. All his as-builts are done with the GPS, so there's no having to shoot with a rod. You can shoot everything GPS with the excavator. Yeah. And then we, the real fun part was when they, they, they went across the street. They were working next to the Lululemon, <laughs> went across the street to the Gucci store. <laughs> Literally, the Gucci store. Yeah. And they had to cut the trench down an alley, and they used to... to to take up the asphalt, a little pizza cutter yep. uh, attachment that you roll back and forth and cut the asphalt and take out the asphalt so you don't need to saw cut. You don't need to make a mess. No, no dust. dust. Yeah, no dust. Yeah, no saw needed. Yeah. And then when they come back through, they just mill it where they need to and repave and you're in business. So that was really cool. Yeah. That's and then awesome. uh, the other site we went to, um, we saw a, a, a Another project is to check out the new track loader, which was spectacular. Mm-hmm. Saw that real, real briefly. And then went to Basalt, a small town outside of Aspen, where they're redoing the entire Main Street right now from uh, building to building. All the new utilities, all new paving, sidewalk, everything brand new. It's going to be nice. And so if you're a patron of Basalt this summer or next summer, you will likely see them at work with their machines doing what they do it was very cool to see and then we had some lunch and got out of town sweet but this was this project we folk or this visit we focused on um public works yeah because we had covered some private projects last time and and they're all under nda yeah so we tried to share it but couldn't share really anything yeah rich people don't like talking about being rich (laughs) And these aren't just rich people. They're super rich. <clears throat> yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, you, your house is a few million. Cool. Yeah, that's good for you. Yeah. And you have a nice nice car. All right. These are like, yeah, these these people are quite literally 
royalty or very senior officials in foreign governments or billionaires of technology companies. These are the wealthiest people in the world. I asked him the first time I was there, do you see a lot of celebrities? And he's just like, no, it's just it's just too expensive for them here. Yeah. What? Yeah. Excuse me? That's. Huh? It's just a different world. Yeah. Like these houses, they're building some houses out there. Hundred million dollars a piece. And these aren't second homes. These are third homes. Yeah. These are fourth homes. They stay there three night, three, you know, three weeks a year. It's their little cottage out in Aspen. It's their little ten thousand square foot cottage. We'll see you in Aspen. In Aspen. Okay. Yeah, it's come out for a week. Man. It's just different. Take your private jet, come out for a week. The Aspen airport is crazy. Over All the fourth of July. Private jets, probably. It's more private jets than I've seen anywhere else. That's insane. Um, uh, at least in the United States, but but he said the Fourth of July they don't they run out of private jet parking, so they have to drop their people <laughs> off and then go to other airports to park the private jets. Dang, yeah, that's so much. And I love that like Studesman has has like they've just kind of like tailored their fleet. They're like, hey, we're gonna be around rich people. Like it looks but, really good. They're like, we're gonna make our shit look awesome. I have yeah. their, their hat over there. I was looking at it. I was like, their branding is just. So classic, so like, professional, so classy. Like their mm-hmm. fleet looks good. Like, yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan. Yeah. Huge fan. Huge yeah. fan. So then we got back in the vehicles. We drove across the state of Colorado. We visited BHI, the BHI office, real quick in Vernal, Utah, somewhere mm-hmm. I never thought even existed. We drove through eastern Utah. I've only driven north to south along I-15 yeah. in, in Utah. Yeah. I haven't driven east to west. Mm-hmm. So that was a new experience for me, driving through eastern Utah. Never been over there before. It's out there. What's out there? Nothing. Nothing? Yeah. Flat. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of oil out there, actually. Hmm. And then there were some towns in western Colorado that all were dinosaur-themed. <laughs> like, I think I actually, I think there's a town called Dinosaur. <laughs> That's awesome. I think Dinosaur, Colorado or something along those lines. They must have just a shit ton of fossils out there, I guess. And they have like, uh, I probably drove by a hundred life-size, quote-unquote life-size statues of dinosaurs. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. It's crazy. Um, So then the next day, we spent the night at my good friend Bridger Snow's yard in Heber City. And then we woke up, we drove up the hill to see BHI working on a big earthworks project for the new Tiger Woods golf course, which is spectacular. Nice. It overlooks the Wasatch Front. Uh, it's like Mount Taipanoga or something mm-hmm. along those lines yeah. that you can see just right in front of you building an 18 hole golf course. Sick. Uh, from scratch. And it is really cool to see an 18-hole golf course start to come together. The finished grade must be very, very <clears throat> tight tolerances um, for it. You, no? you would think it's it's like half engineering and half art. Yeah. So the shapers somewhat judge it as they go. They have a design. Yeah. They're working on a design, but they don't use GPS or anything. They're not grading yeah. to the design. They're basically grading... As they progress through the holes. Kind of like snowcat operators or something. Yeah, yeah, Where it's yeah. like, it's like, yeah, it's like a skilled thing, but also like you got to have a feel for it. It's designed, yeah. But, but yeah, it comes down to the operator at the end of the day. That's kind of details. I would, 
that'd be such a cool job. It's a very specialized. Yeah. It's a. Um, I think BHI is doing a majority of the earthworks, mm-hmm. and then you have guys that specialize in shaping golf courses come in and actually do the greens. Damn, do they like contract them? I don't know how it works. I'm thinking that's how it is, but yeah. we got to see BHI for the first time. Class act operation. Mm-hmm. Great time. Beautiful lighting. Beautiful place. Great weather. Life was good. I think that was the first morning that we actually had some like really nice, cool weather of yeah. the whole trip. Yeah. Aspen was okay. Colorado was okay. Still the first hot, week though. was just hot. Yeah. Um, so we got to see BHI. Uh we went down the hill. We saw Bridger Snow, saw saw a job of his. Mm-hmm. He's in his early twenties. Building a construction company, letting her rip. It's awesome to see. And then we were about to head into the valley to drive south to Vegas. Mm-hmm. But the pass got shut down like 20 minutes before we got there because a the truck rolled over. So then I went all the way up through Park City over to Salt Lake and then down the whole valley. Because where we were, you basically cut through the canyon. Mm-hmm. And hop, pop out in Provo. And then you can just head south from there. But I had to go all the way up and around and then back down through Provo. So we did that. A little bit of a delay. Got into Vegas later that night. And it was a hot son of a bitch in Vegas. It was probably 115 when we got there. Yeah. Hot. Oh. Yeah. Uh, stayed in Las Vegas Paving's yard. Nice. Yeah, which was awesome. Yeah, that's kind of sweet. <clears throat> I worked out. I <laughs> worked out. I, I worked out every morning. This this time, I'm I'm calling it out because I did a workout in the asphalt lab because it was a little cooler. Yeah. So I brought some weights into the because I brought some weights with me because we had the RV. Yeah. I, n- nothing crazy. Yeah. Just some dumbbells mm-hmm. and a kettlebell, and I brought them into the asphalt lab because it was so hot in the morning. The asphalt lab was still pretty miserable, but mm-hmm. just a little bit cooler. And yeah. the whole time, I was thinking, oh, what, a, what a weird life I have. I'm working <laughs> on an asphalt lab right now at, at 3 in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, whatever it is. And, um, yeah. And whoever listens to this, you can count yourself as probably some of the first people to ever hear about someone working out in an asphalt lab. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was a little obscure. Uh, and the whole time, I was worried about someone walking in and be like, who the fuck are you? Because <laughs> it's a like, big company. Dude, like, what, like, what are you doing? People don't know we're there. Yeah. Uh, but we got squared away. Um, and then we saw, of course, Las Vegas paving in that, that morning, doing some paving work for the Formula One track. And it looked good. Yeah. It, it looks was real good. It was it was cool to see see these guys work. They yeah. were they were so buttoned up. You, yeah. I know when an operation is really good. Mm-hmm. When it's high stakes, but everybody is just as cool as a cucumber. Chilling. That's how it was. It was it wasn't surface course, which we saw last week as we're recording this. We went back a few weeks later to see the surface course down the Las Vegas strip, which yeah. is what I really wanted to see. Yeah. Uh it wasn't, but it was the the last layer before the surface course. Mm-hmm. Um, but still they're just as cool as a cucumber. There's drunk people walking through the job site. They're just off the strip, just off the strip, right around the corner from, uh, from Aria, mm-hmm. uh, kind of going around um, Planet Hollywood, I think it was. Paris, Paris, Planet Hollywood. So they're going around that corner, mm-hmm. headed to the paddock, which is just east of the strip. 
Yeah. Uh, but it was awesome. It wasn't that hot because they started around four in the morning. We got out there probably four fifteen, shot till about seven thirty eight o'clock probably. Yeah, but it was starting <clears throat> to heat up around then. It was warming up. Yeah, yeah and they still had a, a ways to go, but we got what we wanted. It looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Paving just off the Vegas Strip. But after going to that, I knew I needed to come back to see the actual surface course on the Vegas Strip. The, the you know, the actual thing. The, the real big dollar yeah. stuff. That's what it's all about. And I got to see it. I'm so happy about that. So that was the that was the video where it was like echelon. Yeah, paving. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was not echelon paving. It was just one paver. Yeah, one buggy. Still, uh, the paver was still running um, a thermal camera to mm-hmm. measure the heat uh, on the map uh, on on the mat. Yeah, to create a heat map to submit to them to find any cold spots. Mm-hmm. Um, they had intelligent compaction on the rollers, so there there was a. a GPS unit on every roller, on every paver. Hmm. They Formula One, they specify the equipment you have to use. Oh, okay. Uh, and so they had to go get some of this equipment from Empire hmm. Cat for, specifically for this project. That's cool. Yeah, and they had someone from SciTech there the whole time. Yeah. Which is, that's how, that's how detailed this is. I mean, it makes sense. When you're going 200 miles per hour and basically a carbon fiber tub. There is uh, uh, very little room for... <laughs> Yeah, you feel bumps a little differently than you do in a, a yeah. Prius at 35 miles an hour in traffic down yeah. the strip. Yeah, or a, a Lincoln Town car. A Lincoln Town. Ooh. You don't feel bumps in you Lincoln Town car. Dude, you're just floating down the road in one of those. Dude, my buddy had an old Cadillac Fleetwood, and that car was so it's insane how like light the the steering is. It's like a shit. living room on wheels. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, that was Las Vegas paving. It was really cool for them to have us out. Uh, yeah. I've always wanted to see Las Vegas paving. You go to Las Vegas, if you see a machine, there's probably a Las Vegas paving logo on it. Yeah. They do almost all the work in town. It's crazy. And they're like, it's crazy how like they're super cool with you now. Like, I they, feel they, like- They have like, been. Yeah. They have I been. mean- Well, I called- And that's like So a, they, they said before I came out, they said, hey- you're going to have to get everything approved through the F1, whoever it is, the, the project developer, uh, whatever. FIA is. No, no. Yeah. It, it, there's all these, there's these different entities for every damn, every da- Formula One track is completely different. And they all have deals with the F- F1, but there's different ownerships depending on where it is and who it is. And oh, that so makes sense. The, the one in Miami that we did. That was very similar. It wasn't Formula One. It was very, it was mm-hmm. very similar. Mm-hmm. Almost, almost identical. Uh, that was a private track on private property. So they can say, we're the boss. We're going to give you access. But we tell you what you can and can't do, what you can and can't post. Yeah. So on and so forth. Yeah. But I talked to the, the people in, uh, in, in Vegas. And I talked to him a week before we got out there. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, we want to come out and take some pictures, take some video of the project. It's just, it's amazing work. We want to document it. Yeah. And he says, nope, can't do it. I'm like, why? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? He's like, no, we, we, nothing inside of the fence. You can take pictures of, you can do video, no media right now. Huh. And I, and I ask, inside the fence, what is, what's inside the fence? And he says, around the paddock area, and this and he's like, oh. And, and I said, no, 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 no. I don't care about the paddock. 
that it's 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 off the strip. That's not what I want. Yeah. I want I want paving on the strip. And uh, he says, Oh, you do? Yeah. I'm like, Yeah, that's that's what I want. That's what that's what we're gonna go. He's like, Oh, you can do whatever you want. It's public right away. I can't I can't tell you what you can and can't do. They're like, okay, okay. And I, I was just like, so I can take any picture, any video of them paving on the lost. He says, yes, it's public right away because it's a public road. And I say, jackpot, bingo. Yeah. I'm in business. Don't worry about it. I won't be a single problem. I, I won't be in any kind of trouble. Uh, and so from then on, yeah, we took full advantage of it. Yeah, sweet. I yeah. mean, if it's... if. I mean, there's drunk people walking around down there. So, like, it, you Anybody know. can sit there with their phone right on the yeah. right next to the paver. It's, it's like, not like they put barricades up on the sidewalk. It's like it's like an iPhone, but a little bit nicer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, it, yeah, you could just sit there on the bridge and watch them, which yeah. was cool. It was cool how accessible it was. Yeah, that's nice. Um, so, yeah, Las Vegas paving, Formula One track. Not every day you get to see F1 paving. Yeah. And I've gotten to see it three times this year, so I'm a little spoiled. So, like, the top layer of of asphalt is like completely specialized right like everything about it it's shipped in from somewhere uh they had to pull a specific kind of aggregate from utah hmm. but everyone has a little bit different surface i guess i'm assuming <sighs> well because yeah you're dealing with different materials everywhere you go yeah so that was that I wonder how expensive it is, like per square foot. I I, I want I wish I would have asked how much it is per ton. And per ton, yeah, because yeah. then you could kind of do the math on yeah. that. Um. So from there, we went to. I'm missing something. Oh no 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 no! So that's that was Thursday. Thursday we drive to. We drive out of Nevada over to California. I stopped at the Borax mine to to check out the Overlook, which was pretty cool. I'd never, I'd driven by it a bunch, but I'd never actually gone to the Overlook. I made some uh, lunch at the Overlook because I was driving the RV, which was nice. And then we drove up the California Central Valley and stopped outside of Fresno mm-hmm. to see our friend, Josh McCahill at McCahill Bulldozer Services. Ah, uh, yes. I pull into his yeah. new shop, new yard, which is awesome. And he has an over million dollar grinder, brand new, that was delivered the day before. And he says, or maybe even that morning, I don't know. It was like within 24 hours. Yeah. He says, we're going to fire her up tomorrow and let her eat. I said, let's go. Oh, yeah. So we barbecued that night, which was amazing. Uh, on the green egg doesn't get any better than that. Just that's <laughs> just that's just saw, summer, man. Yeah, I saw those. Uh, I think I saw those pictures. It was watermelon and tri tip. Nice. That's all I need. Yeah, you're that's good. all I need. Just watermelon and tri tip. We nice, had a good, nice weather out in California. I'm assuming. Yeah, it was it was a little warm, but not too bad. Yeah. Um, we stayed at a shop that night, <clears throat> and then the next morning, um, after I ran, you hear beep. And and you look out and there's the grinder. They've have it fired up and they're nice. starting to move it. And and his shop sits on a little bit of land, so he drove dro- tracked it over to that little bit of land where he had a brush pile sitting there, prepared yeah. for it to to kind of learn about it and and work out iron out any wrinkles, play with the new toy. Yeah, make sure bit. it's running okay. Yeah, 
but it's this monster Aztec grinder that's powered by, I think, a C32, which is the same power plant as a D11 dozer. <laughs> monster, monster grinder yeah. that can just eat. It can just eat. So yeah. he had an excavator feeding it that morning. They fired it up. It's just deafening. And they started <laughs> feeding trees into one end. Um, it's like a conveyor belt, this big industrial conveyor belt yeah. at one end. And then there's this spiky drum that lifts up and lowers depending on how much material is going through down the conveyor. Mm -hmm. And the spiky drum kind of forces it into the actual grinder. Yeah. And the grinder just sits there and pulverizes it with this spinning drum, essentially. Yeah. And turns it to chips that, that shoot out a conveyor on the other side. Because they do land clearing, so they need to grind. They're like mandated to grind all that shit up, right? They used to pile it all up and burn it. Mm-hmm. But now the California Air Board, um, they, they can't burn in a lot of places. Yeah. So you have to grind it all up. So when you turn over your crop, your orange trees, your almond trees, whatever they are, mm-hmm. you turn it over for a new crop, you have to get rid of all those trees. And so they'll come through with an excavator or a dozer, they'll push all the trees over, yeah. they'll pile them up, and they'll throw them through this grinder, and they'll be on their way. Uh, well, step one is grinding. Okay. Yes. And then? So they make these piles of wood chips, and then he had a tractor with a spreader box that he filled with a loader. Yeah. All his equipment is specialized. They're all like forestry package machines with different guarding on it because it's gnarly work all from quincat piled you know grab the chips put it into this trailer and then the spreader shoots the chips out the back and spreads the trips across the field and then step two is deep ripping to mix the chips into the soil Oh, okay so that's what we saw after the big aztec grinder was we went out to go see one of his d10s deep ripping so he has two D10 dozers. They both of them don't have blades on the front, hmm. mm. or they might have push blades. Uh, I think he has push blades yeah, on them now. Small, small blades. Small blades to keep it balanced, at least. Yep. And uh, all they do is rip. They rip in one direction. That's dope. And then they rip in the other direction, and it helps the water drain yeah. better, so that the trees can grow a little bit more effectively. Yeah. Um, and then it mixes the wood chips into the earth so that they can decompose a little bit more evenly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it mixes the nutrients up in the surface, brings some of the stuff uh, further from the, the bottom, deeper in the ground, up to, this, to the surface. That's crazy. I guess I, just, I didn't consider that fruit trees had a life cycle like that. They, they can go for a long time. Yeah. The, the thing is they're typically turned over. Mm-hmm. Like almond trees are turned over and nut trees are turned over a lot right now because they require a ton of water. Oh, and there's okay. certain water rules going into effect, water rationing when it gets dry. Shit. And, and so farmers are deliberately removing some of their nut trees to either keep some fields barren yep. so that they can use that water elsewhere or they're, they're using other, they're putting in other crops that use less water. Okay, I see. Yeah, or um, like say... I think the one we went out to, there was a new variant of 
lemon or lime or orange or something like that. New lime just dropped. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. And they wanted to plant that instead. Hell yeah. That so, must be a fun job though, just ripping. I saw it. Well, probably pretty boring. It depends who you are. Yeah. yeah. It depends what your personality is. Um, It kind of sounds more like a mix of ag and earth moving. Yeah. Um, I guess all, it is. It technically, mean, it's technic- all ag. Yeah. But they use just big iron. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I saw this video recently, and I think it was like a D6 or something. And they're like, I asked the service people for a ripper for the back. He's like, I, I asked for a ripper. And then he shows the ripper, and it has like five like deep ass teeth on it. And he's like, What am I going to do with this on a, nice. on a D6? He's like, This is just absolutely ridiculous amount of ripper teeth. And they're all like massive. Yeah. I was like, well, it might be good in that situation, though. <laughs> well, they, they run just one big shank. Okay. So it's a single shank. Yeah. Because uh, they want the depth on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you had a five shank <laughs> ripper on the Well, back. they have a, it's, it's, it's a big single shank with a plow with basically these two pieces of steel uh, that see. hang off the back and they're, they're suspended by chains. Yeah. That kind of takes the material coming off the, the, the shank and then brings it up and yeah. kind of mixes it as it goes through the soil. It's yeah. it's cool. It's super cool. It's like a boat anchor kind of. Kind of. Yeah. That that shape of like blade. So those those are specialized too, I'm assuming. Uh he builds them himself. Nice. Yeah, he does fabricating welding. And then he was a sheriff in Fresno County for like fifteen years. So we got to hear a lot of cool sheriff stories. But there's some crazy shit that goes on out there. Crazy shit. <laughs> Crazy shit. A lot of land for people to lose their mind in. Well, it's a lot of drugs out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of drugs. Coming up from where? Mexico? Yeah. A lot, yeah. Of, a lot of gang activity. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. Um, That was Fresno. From there, we rolled north to Sacramento, which wasn't that far away. Mm-hmm. We stayed on the Goodfellow project, a big residential project out in Folsom. Nice. Uh, it was really pretty where we were. They have yeah. this little house out in the middle of a bunch of trees and grass in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It was awesome. Uh, so we stayed out there and then we saw some of their underground work the next morning, but there wasn't too much going on cause it was Saturday. So yeah. It was, it was pretty slow. They were doing a little crushing. The mass X was wrapped up. So they were moving the triple sevens off. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a little bit here or there, but, but we were only out there a few hours. And then later that morning, uh, we got in the RV and truck to head north to finish the week in um, Medford, Oregon. Nice. Oh, so you went, you went to Oregon. Yeah. So we had an Airbnb in Medford. And as when, I, when we woke up that morning... I think when we were leaving Josh's place the day before, mm-hmm. we start up the RV and the, I think it was the front left tire was low. Okay. And it was like low. Yeah. So I, I think there's probably a leak. Probably. Probably leak. has a nail somewhere deep in there. Uh, some, something's yeah. leaking. So I have um, one of the guys out there help us out. They mm-hmm. had a compressor, so they helped us fill it up. Because I don't know how to put air in a tire. <laughs> and then we drove. And as we were driving, 
uh, or we we got up to Sacramento. Everything was fine. The next morning, the tire was low again. So okay, it's for sure it's, leaking. Yeah, we're gonna have to get this replaced, but it's still drivable. So I called Cruise America as we were driving up, and they said, "Yeah, we'll have someone meet you at your house. Do you have a spare?" And I checked. We had a spare. We had a spare. We'll have someone meet you at your house and change out the tire because they yeah. don't give you any tools or anything. You can't do it yourself. Yeah, they make no... you have somebody come out and do it. Yeah. And so this giant tow truck shows up, and it's Bob. Bob with the giant tow truck nice. and a Yorkshire Terrier, <laughs> a little Yorkie that just sits there and watches him work. That's hilarious. And he changed out the tire for us. But that was, of the whole trip, that was the only mechanical, uh, uh, not even mechanical, automotive issue. Yeah. Which yeah. was for 11,000 miles, two vehicles. Yeah. Pretty extraordinary. Dude, diesel engines too. Uh, no. The Ford, oh, it was gas. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a gas. Yeah. Eight miles per gallon, baby. Yep. It's a lot of gas. A lot of gas. You're welcome, fossil fuel industry. <laughs> You're welcome, oil and gas industry. I'm a big supporter of the oil and gas industry. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's big part customer. of the part of the mission and you know, we really we really are someone's gonna do it. We we gotta do the honest work and burn gas That's and a, use a bunch of fucking deaf. Gas and diesel and deaf and <laughs> when when wiper fluid. What does deaf come from? <laughs> That, what is, like what is it? I is it like a coolant or something? Uh, I no, it's it's urea. It's ammonia. Oh, I believe it's not urea. I think I believe it's a it's basically ammonia. So you're putting a bunch of piss in your truck. Um, but yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's the joke. Is like just pissing, just pissing it, just pissing. Um, hold please. How do they make? Cause like I'm assuming you have to mine it or something, like the materials for it. Yeah, so DEF is a mixture of typically two two thirds deionized water and one third urea. <laughs> it's carefully regulated by the American Petroleum Institute. Tip technically urea is derived from one of the byproducts of urine, but it's synthetically made. Uh so no cats actually. <laughs> no cats? Farm of cats making death. Synthesized in or organic chemicals. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So your urine, you could just <laughs> just urinate into your death tank and you'll be good to go. You're chilling. That might cause um, problems. I you know, I hadn't heard of death until like very recently. And I remember we had a diesel truck when I was a kid like a clean diesel too. It was a it was a Duramax. Well, because Def didn't come about. It wasn't really popular probably until like 10 years ago, maybe less, maybe five years ago. Yeah, and now I feel like I see it all, all over the place. I'd say 10 years ago probably is when it started to get really mandated. <laughs> I want to say that the Duramax was not that old, but it might have been. I think I think Def's bullshit, but a lot of people are making a lot of money with it. What does it do? It just cap captures carbon? No, it, it, it doesn't capture anything. It just neutralizes, I think, uh, NO2. I'm talking chemistry right now that I don't understand. Um, it's it's basically time. It's basically sprayed. Um, how does... So that, maybe it captures nitrogen or something? It doesn't capture anything. So small quantities of diesel exhaust fluid are injected into the exhaust upstream of a catalyst, 
where it vaporizes and decomposes to form ammonia and carbon dioxide. The ammonia, which is NH3, is the desired product. So it converts the NOx, the uh, nitrogen oxide, which mm. is bad, yep. to harmless nitrogen N2 and water. Which is good. But water is still a greenhouse gas. Nitrogen. And nitrogen is technically a greenhouse gas. Oxygen is? Uh, uh, not oxygen. Oh, oh it, it uh, is H- water. H- HDO, water. Yeah, yeah it is water. Um, yeah, so that is, uh, I feel like this is how this goes. We we wrap up the week and then talk about something we have no fucking clue about. That's all I do is talk about things I have no fucking clue about. So that's week two of the Build It Roadshow. Thanks for following. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Dirt Talk. And we'll see you on the next one, everybody. 